Welcome to the Grow My Salon Business podcast, where we focus on the business side of hairdressing. I'm your host, Anthony Whitaker, and I'll be talking to thought leaders in the hairdressing industry, discussing insightful, provocative, and inspiring ideas that matter. So get ready to learn, get ready to be challenged, get ready to be inspired, and most importantly, get ready to grow your salon business. Hello and welcome to today's episode of the Grow My Salon Business Podcast. I'm your host, Anthony Whitaker, and whether this is your first time or perhaps you are a regular listener, it's great to have you here with us again today. Don't forget to subscribe and leave a rating and review on Apple Podcasts. To do that, all you need to do is go to Apple Podcasts, scroll to the bottom of the page, select ratings and reviews, and write us a review. It's the best way for you to demonstrate your appreciation to the guests that we bring to you each week. So with that said, on with today's show. Here we are at the time of recording. It's September 2021, and the last 18 months have been a roller coaster ride. And whether I talk to salon owners in the US, the UK, or Australia, the uncertainty of what the future holds for business is challenging and it can be very stressful. But one thing that's really important to hang on to is hope, because at the best of times, it's easy to be overwhelmed with the pressures that being in business brings. But with the added challenges that come with COVID and lockdowns and debts and loan repayments and staff shortages, it's only natural that there are times when you might feel overwhelmed. One of the good things, though, that's come out of COVID is the realization that as an owner, that you're not alone. There are numerous professional Facebook groups, clubhouse events, and podcasts where there's an avalanche of encouragement and support. So I encourage you to tap into all the resources available to keep you motivated and in a strong, positive mindset, because Your mindset is the thing that as a leader, that you have to protect because that is what's going to get you through. So that brings me perfectly to my guest on today's podcast. She is Sue Ahrens from the Studio B Salons in Denver, Colorado. And like everyone, she has and still is experiencing all the challenges and frustrations of being in business. And on the podcast, Sue shares openly some of the things that she and her team at Studio B are doing to keep positive. In today's podcast, we'll discuss dealing with COVID in today's environment, the importance of protecting your culture, the changing needs and expectations of team members, and lots more. So without further ado, welcome to the show, Sue Ahrens. Hi, Anthony. Thank you so much for having me. I'm honored to be with you again after a year and a half Exactly. Of a crazy world. <laughs> it has been a crazy world, and uh, I've I've been looking forward to this, and I can't believe uh, how how fast the time has gone. Now, um, there's there's going to be some people that maybe didn't listen to an earlier episode, uh, so I should sort of just preface that a little bit. We spoke in March 2020, um, so right at the beginning of COVID, and it was episode 33 of the podcast. And it was just as salons were going into lockdown. And, and I did a sort of two or three different podcasts where, where I had multiple guests on the podcast. I think you were on it with Robert and Mary mm-hmm. Chromians. And we were talking about what COVID meant as our salons were sort of going into lockdown. And, and wow, there's been a lot changed since then. So 
we're, we're, we'll come back to that in, in a minute. But um, uh, for people who don't know who you are or who haven't heard episode 33, uh, let's just start with an overview of you and your background. Who is uh, Sue Ahrens? Give us your sort of two-minute backstory. Okay, great. Well, I have been in the industry 35 years. I'm a hairstylist. I um, am El Presidente of Studio B Salon, and we have four salons now and 80 employees. And um, we're in Northern Colorado in in the USA, wonderful state. And um, I have done pretty much everything in the industry. I've worked with a manufacturer, with distributor, been a stylist, been um, salon owner. Uh, yeah, pretty much checked it all out and I love it. And it, I'm very passionate about it, uh, about the industry. And I, I love, um, helping people, you know, see all the possibilities that there are in this industry. It's not right. just one track. <laughs> You're not kidding. You've, you've certainly explored many of them. Uh, so I might have this completely wrong, but I, wrote down that you had three salons. Are you saying to me that you've grown since we last spoke? I am saying that. We oh, have wow. opened another salon okay. in the midst of all of this. Yes, it's been um, it's been a whirlwind. Um, we were planning on opening prior to COVID hitting, and we had a line of credit all set up to, um, to open a salon, and we were in um, what we call um, – we had letter of intent with landlords at the time. And we were looking at a couple of spaces and then of course, everything got put on the back burner. We ended up using the letter of credit or the line of credit that we had for opening the salon. We used it to pay our employees during COVID. Um, So I wasn't sure if we were going to be able to open another location, but we had already started grooming the staff and hiring the staff and talking about it and, um, it was something that the team really wanted to do. Mm. So um, after we got some f- um, some funding, and I don't know what you guys, if you guys um, had it over there in some of the other countries, but our country um, was able to provide what we called PPP, which is a protection thing, a, a payroll mm. thing that helped us to pay our employees and keep everyone, um, you know, keep the world spinning, so to speak. Um, So we were able to get that, that relieved us um, to help pay our staff more. And then we were able to rebuild our line of credit and go ahead and open our, our location. So we started that process in December of 2020 and we opened our fourth location in Loveland, Colorado in uh, May of this year. Okay. So all the salons are in Colorado. Yeah. Yes. Correct. They all are. Okay. Yes. So, so there's now four, but you said an 80 team members, whereas I had written down when we previously spoke, three salons and 90. So you've got more this salons, correct. but less team members. This, this is correct. This is correct. Okay. And I think as most people probably experienced during COVID, we had um, headcount limitations on yeah. every location. So mm. we had taken our training center, which has three salons and two shampoo bowls, and turned that into a salon during COVID and reduced the number of people. We had to Mm. reduce the number of people in each location. And I didn't, I had more employees than I had chairs for them to work. Um, And, and like many places we had 
a lot of people chose not to come back after right. we reopened. There was, um, we had the largest turnover we've ever had in the 16 year history of our company um, okay. through COVID. And, and they just left the industry, many okay. of them. And then many of them just really didn't want to be in a salon with multiple people. They chose to go the sweet route um, and two days a week or, you know, whatever it was what they yeah, needed. Yeah. Um, so we did have very high turnover and it's been, um, it's, I feel like I have PTSD, post-traumatic mm. stress syndrome, because yeah, yeah. every one of them is like a breakup to me, you know, yeah. and it's, it's heartbreaking, but it's also what they need. Um, so yes, we have less people, but more space. And that is one thing that um, really, that, that is one of the biggest things that we learned through COVID, less people, more space. Um, okay. So my, my 2,500 square foot salons, feel like a ghost town, even now that we were back open because yeah. we're still every other chair. We're still, you know, single book, not double booked. Um, so I'll never open a 2,500 square foot salon again. <laughs> right. Okay. But, well, let's, let's just go back a little bit and, and okay. uh, uh, I'm not, I'm not going to talk about COVID for the whole podcast, obviously. Right. Um, uh, but it would be really good to, you know, um, you know, to sort of get your overview of sort of where are we now? What's happened during the last uh, 12 months? So so how long, when we last spoke, you were in your first week of lockdown. Yes. Um, how long were you mandated to close in total? We closed a couple of days before the mandate, but we were able, and that was, we closed on March 18th, 17th or 18th, I believe. The mandate yeah. came out around the 22nd. We opened May 8th, so about eight weeks, seven or eight okay. weeks, I believe it was. And has um, it just been the one lockdown or have you had multiple lockdowns? Um, it was just the one complete lockdown. But then when they yeah. opened up, we were, uh, we were allowed to have 10 human beings in, an, in a space at one time. Right. So that meant um, you know, half stylist, half customers. Yeah. Um, so we were able to do very, very minimal for um, mm. quite a while. And then, then the next level of opening up came um, at the end of summer, I believe, um, where we were able to, to add more people in mm. slowly, very, very yeah. slowly. We just very yeah. slowly crept back. Um, and we're still not at, at what we used to do prior to COVID. Right. We're still okay. running about... Um, we still single book mostly. We might have two people double book, but that means we have less people in the salon. So yeah. we're still very sensitive to how many human beings are in the building at a time. Yeah. Um, so that is one of the biggest things um, that came of that was just, I mean, we used to have at one given time, we'd have 45 people in the building. Now yeah. we never have more than maybe 15, 20 max. And how's that affected productivity i mean i know you've you've got a great team you've got a very productive mm -hmm. team um when you when you open an extra location you're increasing your overhead when mm -hmm. you decrease the amount of people that are in any space you're right. decreasing your revenue so like how are you making all that work are you increasing prices are you have you increased opening hours have you got people on multiple shifts what 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 does that look like now going forward 
Well, we are still working through all of that, but the very first thing we did, and this was prior to opening the other location, the very first thing we did was um, we worked with our staff to help them understand that they're going into a different business model now. Um, You know, we're not double booked. We're not, um, you're not going to have one-on-one apprentices. You're not, you know, all the things that we did and we did really well for a really long time are now changed. So Mm. here we have a different business model. You're single booked. You have your client. You are taking your client to the wash house. You are taking your client and doing the blow dry. You're doing everything. So teaching them how to really go to that next level with Mm -hmm. customer service and getting that one-on-one experience with their guests. And with that comes a higher ticket average. So our ticket average is about, um, let's see, we were, uh, we're about $50 higher per, per head. Um, Our ticket average is about $50 as a company. We're about $50 higher per person. Okay. And so when you say, just for for clarity, for a lot of our audience, Uh I know that Americans use the term double booked and everyone understands what it it means. Outside the US, people are sort of thinking, what does she mean by that? So so basically what you mean is that while a color is processing, you do not have another client who's been on top of it. Correct. Whereas double double booking means is that you you work the appointment book so that during processing time there are other clients put in. So you're Correct. saying it's a one to one relationship. They're they're putting the color on. They're taking the color yep. off. They're shampooing them. They're blow drying yep. them. Yep. It's a one to one relationship. Okay. Yep. That is and how the, we returned from COVID. Yep. Was all that. So uh, pretty much most of last year. Um, it was seeing as you had one guest, one stylist. So yeah. there was not an apprentice helping. There was one apprentice for the entire salon helping maintain, um, you know, the cleanliness. And I mean, really in 2020, they became cleaners. They went and yeah. sanitized every station. They did, you know, a lot more um, from the cleaning standpoint than they did, yeah. you know, hand hands-on hair, you know, Mm. where they're taking the client back to the wash house and they're toning and they're, you know, have their hands in hair. It was one stylist, one customer. So less people involved. And so when you say that the average ticket or average bill went up uh, $50, $50, uh, that's Mm -hmm. significant. It is. Was that a conscious... Guys, now that you are one-to-one with these people, you've got to upsell treatments, you've got to upsell color, you've got to upsell retail. Was it a conscious thing like that? Or was it just one of those unexpected benefits of having a more uh, focused one-to-one relationship? I think a little bit of both, honestly. Um, We did talk quite a bit about it um, because we knew that our guests have not been in to see you in eight weeks and some of them much more because they were at the tail end, you know, they were getting ready to come in and it had already been six weeks. And so people are going to come in with um, many more needs than, than normal when they rebook. So mm-hmm. we knew that there was going to be multiple services on every ticket um, because they were going to need it. And so we did talk about that and how are you going to work your timing and how are you going to provide the five-star service that we expect? And how are you going to do all of these things by yourself? Mm. Let's talk through it because they're so used to having apprentices. Um, so there was a lot of training and, and preparing for that, but then there was also 
just the level of connectivity. You know, we found so many of our guests were just so hungry for connection with another human, you know, and getting back and, and having that, that time in the wash house, they were extending their stay in the wash house. We have a separate room that is all of our um, shampoo bowls. And so that's, that's called our wash house experience. And we have a whole menu that they're able to extend their stay. So whether it's a treatment for their hair, it's a a extended scalp massage, um, Mm -hmm. a scalp facial, you know, it's just, they love being in the wash house and they love spending more time in there and they needed it after Mm -hmm. being on lockdown for so long. So um, there was also that where I don't think that, you know, we weren't hard selling, the guest mm-hmm. was saying, oh, please give me more. Give me more. <laughs> okay. Wow. So it went both ways. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Good. Okay. Did did you keep everyone on? I'll tell you what I'm mainly thinking of. I know you have, and this would be interesting to talk about in itself later on. I know you have a call center, uh, yes. which, which a lot of salons are intrigued by the idea of having a call mm-hmm. center, you know, meaning that instead of the front desk answering all the incoming phone calls, for anyone who's not sure yes. what I mean, it's, it's you've got people that are answering those phone calls in a separate room handling all the bookings. Yeah. So I'm just okay. wondering about them. How did you, did you keep everybody on or your back? Absolutely. End, people, Absolutely. Yeah? Wow. We could not have done it without them. They were, they were imperative to the success of our salon and us coming back. They mm-hmm. were all at home with their laptops contacting you know, for being close two months, that's yeah. about almost, you know, that's 9,000 guests, mm. you know, they work every day, you know, and, and people will ask me even, you know, friends on a personal level, oh, did you, you know, enjoy your time off? I'm like, I worked harder during those eight weeks and my yeah, yeah. staff worked harder during those eight weeks than we have ever worked. And mm. it was a different kind of work. Yeah. You know, we were trying to figure out how do we rebuild this thing? Because, you know, these are all homeowners. These are all people who have children to feed and and all of that. It it wasn't an option not to come back. So, um, but our call center, there is no way we could have done Mm. um, what we did and come back the way we did. There's no way. They're amazing. I know you said when we spoke 18 months ago that you were dabbling with uh, retail um, you know, an e-commerce platform, curbside uh-huh. pickup, that sort of yep. stuff. Yep. Looking, looking back at that now, because it was obviously early days then. Mm-hmm. Um, how beneficial was that? Did, did you make that work for you? Was it? Was there a need for it? Um, there was a little bit of a need for it, and, and we have evolved it since then. We were just doing a literally a kind of a last minute, we got to get product in our, you know, customers' hands. You know, it was very, um, <laughs> very unsophisticated, but yeah. we did it to help our, our customers. And then we took it to the next level because one of our distributors offers um, an online um, resource where they actually ship it for us. Right. So okay. we go through them now and, and we saw um, a little bit of it. It, it by no means was it what we used to do. I think that yeah. the customer still wants that, you know, we do style coaching with every single guest. So yeah. they still want to be told how to use it and when to use it and how much and all that, but it's a band aid, and we mm. still offer it, but we don't, it's not a, a huge revenue source for us, but it's a nice, it's a nice thing to offer yeah. for customers who are more comfortable with it. So when you got the salons back open, um, did you stay with 
that model of uh, getting product distributed directly through a third party distributors? Was that something you carried on doing or was it really just a Band-Aid? We are still offering that because we feel like it's another level of service to some of our guests that might not want to, you know, they might still be a little leery of, of coming out often. And we also have a lot of people who live in other states. So we still offer that, but it's not a huge part of our business. The majority of our sales do come from inside the salon. Yeah. Have you noticed whether distributors are continuing to do that? Um, Yes. You know, to offer like an affiliate program for salons. What are your thoughts about that? Our, our distributor does, we love our distributor um, and it's our Paul Mitchell distributor. So it's only Paul Mitchell products that we offer through our website, but it goes through them and they do the ship. And then we split, um, we split the revenue from that. Um, But I I was not in a position to become a warehouse and a shipper and, you know, all of that kind of stuff and pull that in myself. So it's actually been great partnering with them because I, they already have a warehouse. They already know how to do it and they do it very, very well. So um, we really enjoy working with them. But like I said, it's not a huge part of our business, but it's a nice um, value add. If our customers want to go online and buy in between their visits, they can. Yeah. Do you think there'll be more of that, you know, through distributors? Is that a, it's interesting. I mean, one of the things I want to talk to you about is what are some of the opportunities that have come out of COVID? And so I'm, I'm sort of wondering about how you saw that as being, you know, something that could potentially be positive, you know, because the, the whole thing of online just right. exploded during COVID right. and people were yeah. buying stuff online that had never really bought online before. And it's right. become a habit for a lot of people. So obviously it's created opportunities for distributors and for salons. Um, right. what, what are your thoughts about that? Good and bad. I think that it is really important to offer choices as a business owner. We can't say that everybody's buying online because I know a lot of people who would prefer to come in, but we can't say nobody wants to buy online because there are people who prefer to buy online. So Mm. as a business owner, I want to offer the way of shopping that each each unique individual wants to have. So I do think it's important. I do think it will continue. I think, um, there's so many different businesses have cropped up over the course of the last year, um, yeah. online type of businesses, things that I never in a million years would have imagined. Um, but I think, you know, people got very creative, very creative, very resourceful. And, um, and I, I think it's great. I, I love to see all of the ingenious things that have come t- from it. I think our industry needs more of that. Mm. more of something. And I don't even know what it is yet, but I, I would love to see people get more resourceful and more mm. creative and do things in ways that we've never done it before. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. What about the color side of things? I know it, it really divides the industry, uh, but I also know that a lot of people basically had mouths to feed and food to put on the table. Mm-hmm. And the only way they could generate revenue was to sell you know, color kits directly to clients. Was that something that, that you guys did? No, we didn't. We did um, 
FaceTime consultations or um, virtual consultations. We talked with um, our, our guests on how, you know, what they could look forward to and how they can maintain it in the meantime and what they can do. We didn't shame them for whatever choice it was that they made. Um, but we wanted to provide the five-star service that we do. We wanted the guests to want to come back. We wanted to keep that relationship. And I think we did a pretty good job of that. Um, but no, we didn't send color kits home. Um, not that there's, and you know, I know a lot of salon owners that did and that's fine. Mm. It just wasn't, it wasn't something we were going to do. Um, yeah. But we've had, I mean, we do, I think we're sitting at about 69% color um, to, to total right now. We, we are a hair color studio and um, we do a lot of hair color and we're known for our hair color and, mm. you know, people waited and they couldn't wait to get back in. And if they didn't wait, then they have a color correction and this is what it's going to take. And this is how long. And, mm. um, you know, we just dealt with what happened when it happened, but we tried to be of service to our guests without, you know, without taking away our skills, yeah. you know, or diminishing our skill set. Sure. What, what would you say was the biggest challenge aside from obviously money uh, mm -hmm. during lockdown, aside from the fact that there was no cash flow, what was the biggest yeah. challenge that you had to deal with? Connecting with staff and keeping everyone engaged. Okay. And how did you do that? What, what sort of mediums did you use to keep the communication going? We had um, Zoom. <laughs> yeah. You know, we Zoomed all the time with everyone. There were Snapchats. There was text messaging. There was as much connection as we could um, without being able to touch. I mean, we are an industry that is licensed to touch. We all got in this because we love connection with people and we were told we couldn't. So we were constantly trying to figure out how can we stay connected with people? Um, because it's imperative to our well-being, not just yeah, exactly. our business, but our well-being, yeah. Yeah, you know? Definitely. Yeah. So we connected however we could. Yeah. And, and what about post-lockdown? What, there were what a lot are the of biggest hugs. challenges now? I mean, I'm, yeah. I mean, you said at the beginning, you said how you'd lost some staff members and people hadn't come back mm -hmm. and they'd left the industry yep. completely and people were now working in suites. You know, what, yes. what, what, have, what have been the biggest challenges for you um, since you have reopened? I think staffing is our number staffing. one biggest yeah. challenge. Yeah, because, you know, it's like I, I mentioned with the whole square footage, you know, we have um, 20 chairs in one salon and we're able to use half of them. Mm. And then if you have staff that leaves and you're, you're only using a third of them, you're mm. paying rent for, you know, this huge space, but you're using a corner of it, yeah. you know, and that's, that's frustrating. Um, so we have this opportunity um, for people, but when it comes to staffing, I mean, it's much more than just, we, we don't just take a stylist and give them a chair. You mm. know, we, we have a level of expectation for our guest service. We have a level of technical expectation. We have a level of culture within our team and you can't just walk in off the street and do that. Mm. Um, so we have a pretty extensive apprenticeship program that everybody who gets hired goes through. Even if you have five years experience, you yes. still have to learn our culture, learn our color line, learn our timing, learn how we book, learn our service, learn our wash house experience. There's still so much. So even if you come with years of experience, you have to go through some of it. 
And um, it's hard because we can't just take someone and, and put them behind a chair and get our revenue back to where it was. It's just not going to happen. It takes time. Yeah. And that's hard. That's really hard because yeah. the bills are still there. Yeah, exactly. And, and you know, the rent, which is obviously a big one, yep. is still there, but you're not generating the same revenue right. out of that square footage. And so, you know, profitability is dramatically impacted yes. to the point Absolutely. of where some businesses simply can't survive. Right. Um, yep. Which obviously is not what we want to see. Um, did you, I know you said that the average, average ticket, average docket, whatever we're going to call it, increased by $50, uh, which is very commendable. Was there any price mm -hmm. rise in there as well? Or was that just, we, you know? We did just um, August 1st this year. So just a month ago, we yeah. had a price increase. Um, we had done one um, prior to COVID. It was about two years ago. Yeah, it was two yeah. years ago. So we do have a price increase maybe every two to three years. Um, but it was something that we did have to do because we incurred so many more expenses. Um, mm. And, um, you know, our, we have more customers than we have staff to mm. be able to take care of. We have wait lists. We turn people away. I mean, it's, it's horrible, but we're doing the best that we can. But we are understaffed. You know, yeah. we have room, we have room for 120 and we have 80. So, yeah. Did you, did you go on to different uh, rosters, you know, longer days and open more days? Mm -hmm. Did you do any of that sort of stuff? So you, we you did during COVID. Schedules? Right. Well, during okay. COVID, we, we did, um, we took clients early if they were high risk or on Sundays when we're normally closed. And then we did divide our Saturdays during COVID. We're normally just nine to five. We divided that into two shifts so that we could do, get more people in and have shorter shifts, but we're back to, you know, nine to nine Monday through Friday and nine to five Saturday now. Yeah. You said something to me when we spoke about 18 months ago and it wasn't recorded. It was sort of after the podcast. And I, I yeah. said to you, you know, uh, what, what, what do you hope will, will sort of come out of this? And you said to me something like, you hope that when things get back to normal, that your team realise that a $1,500 purse or handbag, as we call it, isn't the most important thing in life. Um, so, you know, looking back now on that, you know, how have the people mm -hmm. on your team changed post-COVID? Have you seen any, any changes? Like, speak to yes. that. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, family is important. Time and who you spend your time with is important. I don't see as many Louis Vuitton purses, to be honest with you. Okay. Um, that used to be yeah. a, a thing. And I know they still like their, they have nice cars and they, they dress nice and all of that. But I do see that really they want time. They want, you know, we've got a lot of new babies that have come into the picture, a lot of new okay. marriages that have come into the picture. <laughs> um, there was a lot of time. So um, I do see family being, um, there's a lot more of the family focus right now. I mean, we always yeah. had it, but it's even more now. And I think, you know, the time they want flexibility, 
you know, we used to have a lot more people that were very, 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 very driven to hit that hundred thousand dollars a year mark. And now mm. we see more of a, no, I want flexibility. I want to travel. I want to, you know, I mm. want to be at home with my baby. Can I just work, you know, three closing shifts when my husband's home and, you know, things that we, that we were a little more structured on before we're not as much anymore. Yeah. Um, and at the same time, we are still very structured on our culture and mm -hmm. our um, level of service we provide our guests. So there are some things that I think are important to, um, to loosen the reins on a little mm -hmm. um, since COVID, but there are some things that I think you can't. You still, we still have systems. We still have expectations. We still have guests expectations. And I'm, I'm not going to lighten up on those, but yeah, I'll lighten up on your schedule and I'll mm. lighten up on, you know, some of the other things that, that are more important. You know, not everybody wants to carry a Louis Vuitton bag anymore. And that's fine with me. <laughs> yeah. Well, it, it's interesting. I don't think that anyone anticipated that, um, right. you know, that, and you see it across the board, lots of different industries, not just the hairdressing mm -hmm. industry is that, is that people have had time to, to sit back and reassess what they want out of life and what's important to them and mm -hmm. how much time they want to spend with their family and how much time they want to spend traveling and all this sort of stuff. Mm -hmm. And a lot of people in lots of different industries are wanting a different sort of work-life balance and what you've mm -hmm. just spoken about. And, and, and that was happening anyway. Let's face it, with, with Gen Z, yeah. you know, that sort of thing was happening anyway, that they wanted more flexibility about how and when they worked, et cetera. So mm -hmm. it, it, it's interesting from a salon owner's point of view, when you talk about, you know, the social distancing aspects that you have within the salons, you talk mm -hmm. about having less staff, you talk about people leaving because they couldn't find the you know, the balance uh, as to how they wanted to live their life with the, you know, the controls that are obviously mm -hmm. on them when they work for someone that need to be there to whatever degree. It, it's obviously creating big challenges for business owners as well, yeah. you know, yeah. for, for, for a leader like yourself who at the end of the day, you've still got the bills coming in um, right. and less revenue being generated. Um, to talk to us about that for a minute. What, what, does, what does that look like? Um, it's scary. It's tiring. <laughs> it's, um, it's very difficult. And I think um, we have spent a lot of time this year teaching more business type classes, you know, like with my leadership team, um, we've really, I've been teaching them what is a profit and loss statement. And how do you, they each get one for each of their salons now. How do you affect this? What does this mean to you as a salon, to you as a salon owner? And, and really diving deeper into the, um, into the financial side of it so that they can understand it and helping them to relate to it from a personal standpoint. You know, so if you think about yourself, you know, I'll say this to my, my managers, if prior to COVID, you bought a million dollar house and you both drove Rolls Royces mm. and everything was great. And then, you know, the world was shook and you come back and now maybe one of you lost your job or, you know, something is different. Can you still drive the both Rolls Royce and live in the million dollar home? 
you know, you got to think about it from a, there's money in and there's money out. And hopefully there's more money at the end of the month than, than mm. money out. So helping them just break it down very simply that this is, this is a, this is not monopoly money that we're playing with. This is real. And so what can we do? And so we've been working on budgets and we've been working on, you know, a lot of contests. How can we do more ad, you know, add more treatments or upsell or change a haircut to a color and make sure you're selling, you know, getting that take home to every guest and doing an incredible experience so that they trust you. Um, so it's, we have been focusing a lot on helping people understand mm. that side of it more so. Um, and now we're, you know, we're, we're trying to, you know, there's that balance between the intangible and the tangible or the soft skills and the, yeah. and the technical skills. And, you know, it's like the teeter totter, you know, you go to one side and then it's like, Oh, we can't mm. forget the other side. So we got to circle back and do the technical. And, but then we got to make sure that we understand the business, but don't forget the technical. And, you know, yeah, yeah, cool. it's, it's a lot. It's yeah. Is <laughs> there is. one line on that P and L that stands out as being, you know, this is different. This is post-COVID. I mean, you know, the obvious thing is profitability or, or, right. or, or revenue in or something. But is there is there any one sort of anomaly on there that you thought, wow, I'm surprised that that's impacted the way it has? Um, profit. Right. I mean, okay. you know, we have, yeah, I mean, we're, yeah, we're just not as profitable. The expenses are still the expenses. We don't mm. want to cut back on the expenses, I would rather get the revenue back to where it needs to be. Because if we cut back on the expenses, usually the first place that most people look at is the education and the culture. Mm. I'm not willing to do that. I just two weeks ago took my entire team, well, 45 of us went to Las Vegas to connect. Mm. I know that's a big controversial thing right now, but Mm. we booked it they all, I asked them all, what do you want? And they said, we want our culture event. And every single year we have always done a culture event and we would go to Mexico. We close the salons down and we'd go to Mexico and we would exhale and we would hug each other and we would just not do hair and not talk about hair and just connect. And we've done it every year and they didn't get to do it last year. And that was the first thing they all said. They said, we, we got to do our culture event. And I'm going, oh my God, how am I going to do this? This is like, I can't take you to Mexico. I can't, this is dangerous. I can't do this. I can't do that. But they all said, we want to connect. And so we did what we could. And that was a huge expense, like huge. Yeah. And I've got a couple of months now that I need to pay that back. <laughs> You know, I've got, I'm like, okay, here we go. You know, we got to, you know, that was a big nut that Mm. that's expensive, but you know what, if I don't do it, they don't thrive and our culture suffers and Mm. I am going to, I'm going to spend the money. I'm going to do that. Yes. That's who we are. That's what our team is. That's what they look forward to. It's what keeps them given the five-star service to the guests. Yeah. I can't take that away. Yeah, Exactly. One final question. Um, never had airplanes flying over the top of the house before. <laughs> <laughs> that one felt like it was about to fly through the window. Wow. Um, what, what, one final question I wanted to ask you about in terms of okay. COVID. 
is uh, the vaccination program. How, in, in terms of getting salons back open, how important was the vaccination program in Colorado? Was, there, was it like your government it's, said, when we get 70% or 80% no. or whatever? No, right. it was the number of cases, the number of positive cases in the hospital capacity. It wasn't based on vaccination Okay. when we reopened. Yeah. Um, so, and as far as the vaccination is concerned, I, that's, a, that's a touchy subject for me because mm. I have to be Switzerland. Mm. Regardless of what my views are, yeah. if I go one way or the other, I will lose half my staff and half my customers. Yeah. That's the kind of state I live in. Yeah. So. It's, it's a, it is a touchy one. Um, mm -hmm. I've been on some conversations recently about that, and it, yeah. it really is uh, divisive. So, yeah. Um, yeah, let's just leave it at there. Yeah. <laughs> yes, please. Right. Okay. <laughs> okay. So you, you have, I mean, I've, you know, been fortunate enough to, to meet your team and do a little bit of work with them, et cetera. And they're an amazing team. Thank um, you. You have a great culture. Um, you know, it's really good to, to sort of meet a, a bunch of people that work together as a team that are professional, that are passionate, that do great work and that, you know, really support this incredible culture. So talk to us about that. How do you, how do you create culture? How do you create a team culture? Especially in this day and age with so many people, you know, wanting to be independents, wanting to be booth renters, wanting to work in salon suites. I mean, you know, you're, you're, you're fighting an, an uphill battle in yes. many ways. So, but what, what are the, the things that underpin building a strong salon culture? I think it's knowing what that culture is and fighting for it and not letting, not, not letting up on it. Um, so when we hire, we hire for culture. We don't hire you because you can cut hair well or color hair well. We hire you because you are nice because you have customer service and because you have a servant's heart. That's what we hire. We can train you how to cut hair and we can train how to color hair, but we cannot train a person how to be nice. So mm -hmm. it starts at hiring. Um, and in interviews, when we're in the schools, no matter what we're doing, we're always talking about our culture and we have 10 core values that we all live by. And those core values were, were written by and created by the team. It wasn't me and the two co-founders sitting around going, this should be our core values. No, it was what's most important to you as a team. Give us your top three core values. And then we took all of those and um, put those into 10 common ones. And then we named them B statements because we're Studio B and that's what we do. So we have, instead of great customer service, we have be unforgettable. You know, provide unforgettable service for every guest every time. So it was created by the team for the team, and it is upheld by the team. They're culture ambassadors. And um, when somebody is going against the culture, like, for example, you know, gossiping or talking about somebody who's not present, they get called out on that. No, we don't do that here. That's not who we are. You know, we can't have 80 you know, creative, emotional individuals working every day and have drama or gossip. It just, there's no room for it. 
Mm. So we, we're, we're pretty stern on, on our culture. And if you, if you're not consistent, you're not communicating and you're not celebrating every day, every, every chance you get, you're going to lose it. You're going to lose the culture. So consistency is key. Okay. So, so, so what are they? Is it one of those 10 values? Do you know them off the top of your head? I mean, one of them is be un- I believe so. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, God, the test. Um, it's funny because I always ask my team that question and, and yeah, we have yeah. it hanging up in the break room. But, yes, be unforgettable. Um, be a team. Be a superhero. And being a superhero is um, is – you want to be Batman, not Robin. Robin kind of rode in the sidecar, but Batman always swoops in and saves the day. Don't just sit around and go, it's not my job or I'll do it when I see you do it. Step in and do it. So be the superhero. Um, Be invested, be committed, be respectful, be um, inspiring, be um, the expert, be, let's see, I did, did I do committed? Yeah, one, two, okay, three, so be consistent. Four, five, six, seven. We've got seven so far. Oh, consistent. Be consistent. Be yeah. consistent. Um, be intentional. Have a yeah. plan and work your plan. Um, I'm at nine, aren't I? Yeah, I nine. always forget <laughs> one. That's okay. I always so, forget one. <laughs> that, that's all right. We can leave I have to look hanging. it up. We can leave yeah. it hanging because it, it's got to that, be. That'll be on it, podcast number three. We'll talk exactly, about that. Exactly. <laughs> so, so do you have, you like each of those things, be unforgettable. I'm just imagining it written on a poster in your break room, whatever. Yeah. Does it then have a sentence underneath it saying, well, yes. this is what that means? Yes, it does. And um, often we'll get the team together and say, you mm. tell us, what does that mean to you? Yeah. You know, and so we'll get them involved in it. And then on our hiring, um, on our employment agreement, um, under each one of the core values, we have kind of the rule that goes along with it. Like, Good. Yeah, that's um, right. yeah. you know, be unforgettable is I, I commit to providing five-star service to every guest, every time, cool. you know, it's all about the customer service. And then there, um, be a team, you know, I will show up to my shifts on time and, and I will, you know, call the right people if I'm sick and get, you know, coverage and I will step up under be on, um, be a superhero. I will cover for other people. You know, it's, we have all of our rules, you know, kind of your handbook, if you will, yeah, yeah. are yeah. listed under our core values as well. Yeah. That's great. That's a, that's a really good list of, of, of nine, um, out of yes. nine oh, out of 10. You're killing me here. You're killing me. <laughs> So, now I gotta okay. go look for it. Oh, what yeah. did I miss? In, so, invested? Do I have be invested? Um, maybe I didn't get one written down. I wrote down unforgettable. Uh, be a team. Be unforgettable. Be a superhero. Be invested. Be committed. Be. Um, oh, I can't even read my own writing. Respectful. Just, respectful. Uh, be inspiring. Be consistent. Be intentional. Oh, darn okay. it! This is gonna kill me. <laughs> well, let me ask you another question. How do you yes. motivate? How do you motivate your team? So it's, I believe that it's very hard to motivate another person. Mm-hmm. Motivation comes from inside. Yep. But what I can do is I can listen. I can ask questions. I can be present when I'm with you. You can mm-hmm. feel heard. You can feel empowered and you can feel understood. And then you can be motivated from within. Um, but our leadership team, we do a ton of coaching. Um mm-hmm. 
And that coaching isn't, you need to do this, this, and this. That coaching is, what are your goals? What do you want to achieve? What's important to you? How can I help you get there? What do you need in order to achieve that? So in order to motivate others, and you're a coach, Anthony, you know this, (laughs) you got to coach people. You got to lead them to understanding where, where their unique potential lies and then help them to really shine in that. We want everyone working in their genius zone. And I can't tell you what your genius zone is. Your genius zone is not my genius zone. So I'm going to help you discover what yours is and then help you get there. Yeah. Okay. Very good. Very good. Um, Talk to me about change. We've sort of touched on this a little bit already uh, when we've mentioned salon suites. Uh, mm-hmm. For example, and you have uh, you know a, a great business that's a very team-based business, and and I love that about it because, you know, I, I get the salon suite thing. I understand it. I respect that you know that different mm-hmm. people have different expectations and and you know life values, etc., cetera, etc., cetera, changing, uh, and I get that. But I would hate to see the team business model disappear uh, completely, and I don't believe for one minute that it will. Right. I think that it's it's a very viable business model still, but you've got to do it and you've got to do it right. So, right. and you do it right. So, so what do you think about you know changing business models, whether it's salon suites or 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 new routes to market for product, or you know just people being independent contractors? I mean, there's been so, that 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 was starting to happen anyway. Well, it was mm-hmm. happening anyway. But COVID just picked it up and gave it a damn good shake. And it has sort of taken what might have taken, you know, five years to happen. A a lot of movement happened in in 12 Mm -hmm. months. So so, so what are your thoughts about all that? Um, I think change is essential, you know, especially in our business, because as, as hairdressers working with clients, we get tired of doing the same thing all the time. And our clients want change and we want, to do something different. So it's change is inevitable and it's something that we get excited about when we learn something new. When it comes to business, again, it's inevitable. And I think it's very important because you don't want to do what you've always done because you've always done it. You want to do it because you get the results that you need. And if you're not getting the results you need, you need to change something in order to get the results you need. Um, So therefore, you know, we have had to look at our business model and make modifications here and there and determine what needs to stay like our culture, like, you know, some of the, all of the systems that we do, they have to stay. What can change and live within that culture and those systems still. Um, So it's knowing what to change and what not to change and when to change. (laughs) So it's kind of a loaded question. Um, when it comes to the whole booth rent scenario, I've like like I said, I've been in the industry, you know, a few decades now, and I've seen the booth rent. We we call it booth rent suites, independent. You know, yes. um, we I've seen that cycle around about three times, um, and this is another cycle, but it is very strong. I think it's a great opportunity for somebody who wants to work two days a week and be home with their kids and, and maybe have their kid in their booth with them or, you know, whatever. Um, it's very, to me, it's a very casual environment and, um, it's great. That works for some people. I think the thing that I would like to see happen differently is for 
people just stop selling it. Stop selling booth rental Mm -hmm. as a, as a, as an option, present it as it truly is. You're going to become an independent salon owner. Mm. And with that, you need to know how, what a balance sheet is. You need to know what a profit and loss statement is. You need to know how much product you're going to need to purchase and how often you're going to need to purchase it. You're going to need, you, you no longer have a company that is doing all of that. You're doing hair, but you're also placing your orders and you're also taking all your phone calls and you're also processing your credit cards and you're also doing your banking and you're also paying the rent. And you're also, you're doing all of the things that when you work for a team-based company, you have a company doing that for you. You can show up and do hair and not have to worry about the other stuff. So be real about it, Mm. you know, tell it what it is, not just, oh, you get a come and go as you please. And you can decorate it the way you want. And you can, you can charge what you want and do your timing. And yeah, that sounds great. You can go play beauty salon, but guess what? Mm. If you don't have color when your client is there, that's a problem. What kind of service are you providing? How long is your guest going to stay with you? If you don't have all, you don't have your stuff all together. I don't yeah. know. That's just my, yeah, I, I no, did it. No, I really well rented. said. Really well said. You booth rented. <laughs> I did. I did, did? when I was, okay. I did. I, I told you I've done just about everything in this industry. Yeah, yeah. I have. And I was um, pregnant with my mm. daughter who's turning 30 this year. So. Okay. Long um, time ago. Yeah. Long time ago. And I did it for legitimately because I'm that kind of a person. I paid my taxes. I reported mm. every income. I bought my products. I did everything and I made zero money. <laughs> yeah. So it wasn't for me. And I missed my team. I missed people. Mm. I, I wanted to be, I want to, I want to talk to you about this formula. I want to talk. I want to hear what you're saying. I want to engage in conversation. I want to comment on how beautiful you, that hair looks. I want, you know, I need, mm. I need people. I don't want to be alone. I don't want to do this alone. I have said that my entire life. I don't want to do this alone. Yeah. I'm in this because I love people. Yeah. So. I'm with you on that. Okay. Yeah. So one thing I did want to ask you about was your social media, because I know uh, a couple of years ago when I was um, doing some work with your team that you had, uh, you know, some great social media expertise. I'm, I, if I'm if I'm right, you had at least one person who was 100% focused full-time on yes. the business's social media. Talk to us about how important that is to you as a brand. Um, social media is very important um, as a brand because um, that's how we share what we do and our brand with the world. Um, everyone is, um, you know, online somehow or some way. We don't hand out business cards. You know, people take a business card and put it in their purse and it drops to the bottom and they never see it again. Um, but if they follow you on social media, every time they pick up their phone, they're getting a notification that you posted a beautiful head of hair. And so you stay present in your customers' minds. Um, and it's, it's very important. So we do have a full-time social media coordinator. Um, we're right. Currently we are in between them. Um, I have a new gal starting next week and we're super excited about it because she has some really great, creative, young, fresh, um, talent. Um, so we're really excited to bring her on in the meantime. Um, all of our staff has their own, um, studio B page. 
Um, okay. I'm going to speak to Instagram. So they each have a Studio B underscore than their name page. So you can see every one of our stylists work. Um, they're all, you know, one of their um, standards, if you will, is that they need to post a minimum of two times a week, you know, ideally once a day, um, mm. but two times a week. And then we repost what they do um, on our main page. Um, but yeah, we have, we try to stay very, very um, active on all of mm. our social media because that's how, that's how we're going to be found by new guests, but that's also how our guests are going to look at what's happening and what's the trend and what are the latest colors and, you know, what are the things that I want to try and, you know, um, tips, tricks, um, products, and just getting to know our staff, our culture, you know, yeah. we'll post a lot about our culture. We'll do, um, you know, uh, stylist profiles, um, bios, you know, so that they can see, Oh, that person has a really cute dog. I have, you know, I have a golden retriever too. You know, it's just connection. Yeah, yeah. So, and, um, so when you, when you give them each their own social media, Instagram page, so it's like Anthony mm-hmm. underscore at studio mm-hmm. B. Right. What, how do you, how do you handle that when I leave? Um, we asked them to change the name um, yeah. and they do. Um, mm-hmm. And we um, it, it's their work. So it does go with them, but it's, you know, where they're, we can't erase the fact that they were with us. You know, we, we, they went through the apprenticeship program. They essentially got their masters in styling with us. And if it's time for them to spread their wings and go in a different direction, we were a part of it. And hopefully they're leaving on good terms. We we would prefer that because they were a part of our team for a long time, just because they're going in a different direction. Doesn't mean you erase all of that. Yeah, that's who good. they are. That's good. that's what made them who they are. Okay. All right. So, look, the last thing I want to just ask you about before we wrap up is, you know, the last 18 months have been really difficult for owners, yes. for managers, for leaders mm-hmm. in our industry because they're carrying everybody else. And you've alluded to the financial burden. You've alluded to people, you know, leaving uh, and all the challenges and stresses that, that have gone, you know, on through the last 18 months. So yes. you, you have a big team and a, a big infrastructure around you. There's a lot of people listening to this uh, that have got small salons, three, four, five staff, mm-hmm. whatever, and they are on their own, but they're still dealing with, I mean, obviously there's different amounts of zeros on the on the bills that are coming mm-hmm. in, et cetera, but there's still a lot of pressure and a lot of stress. And sometimes people can feel alone. What, mm-hmm. what are some of the things that you would say to people that are feeling, you know, beat, that they're feeling worn out by this whole thing because they're the leaders and they've got to carry right. the can themselves. Right. And that, you know, as much as super, being Superman is one of your, one of your values, uh, not the one you forgot, obviously. <laughs> <laughs> You know, what, what, what is the, what, what would you say to them on a positive note to give them hope? I would say me too. I'm right there with you. I'm feeling it. I'm tired. I'm beat down. Some days I don't know how I'm going to get through, but then I just remember that I, my why, you know, I remember my why I do this because I love these people. I love helping them achieve their goals. And collectively that allows us to have a really good business. But if you get rid of what that 
each individual one of those pieces, if you forget those little pieces, you no longer have the whole. So I go listen to my staff. I go to, I go to the salons and I go and I visit and I go to pre-shifts with them and I just listen and I talk to them and I hug them and I see how the baby's doing and how the new husband's doing and how the new technique they learned is doing, you know, I just, I connect with the people. Mm -hmm. Um, I also, it is hard being a leader because I can't, I shouldn't, and none of us should ever complain or vent down. You just don't, Mm -hmm. you only Mm -hmm. go up. And when you're at the top, where do you go? You, you know, there, I mean, there's always someone uh, else out there doing it. And so I think you have to look to your peers. You know, I have you, I have um, all of the, the coaches and wonderful people that we work with at John Paul Mitchell Systems. I have other salon owners that I'm really close with. And I have to remember where to go mm. to, to connect and to vent if I need to vent and, um, you know, um, where to reach out. But I think we have to remember to reach out that we're not alone. We're not doing this alone. It's okay to feel what you feel. Um, I did get this tattoo. This too shall pass. Yes. Yes. (laughs) Now they can't, like the audience can't see that obviously, but we looked at that or you told me about that before we started recording and you've just held your arm up to the camera and tattooed on your arm. And uh, I admire you for getting a tattoo, Uh, tattooed on your arm that says this too shall pass. And it's it's very elegantly written. It looks very classy uh, as everything you do is. So um, thank you. And and that's true, isn't it? This too shall pass. I I remember some movie, I saw that in the first time and it was one of those things that even in the movie, I got my phone out and I had to write it in the, in the notes because I think it is such a great uh, statement that this too shall pass. It's so true. And it will, and it will. Yes, and and, it always does. That is probably the perfect note to to finish that on, that this too shall pass. Yes, Okay. Right. Well, um, (laughs) where can people connect with you, Sue, on Instagram or or other social media channels? If they're they're thinking to themselves, I wonder what the tenth thing is that she forgot. <laughs> uh, man, I'm gonna put it. I'm gonna put it on our our Instagram. I'm gonna go put all of our core values on there. Um, they can reach me at um, Studio B. So it's S T U D I O B E um, Salon underscore Sue A. Okay, that's Fantastic. my um, Instagram. You can also email me at Sue A at Studio B Salon. So it's just kind of backwards. Okay, well, I will put those links on uh, in the show notes and on our website, growmysalonbusiness.com. If you're listening to this podcast with Sue Ahrens and have enjoyed it as much as I have, then please do me a favor, take a screenshot on your phone, share it to your Instagram stories and uh, and let your tribe, your community know that they should listen to this because there's some good stuff in there. So uh, to wrap up, Sue Ahrens, thank you ever so much for being on this week's episode of the Grow My Salon Business podcast. Thank you, Anthony. It's always a pleasure. Thank you so much for including me. My absolute pleasure. It's great to have you here as always. Awesome. 
Thank you for listening to today's podcast. If you'd like to connect with us, you'll find us at growmysalonbusiness.com or on Facebook and Instagram at growmysalonbusiness. And if you enjoyed tuning into our podcast, make sure that you subscribe, like, and share it with your friends. Until next time, this is Anthony Whitaker wishing you continued success.